Hey there, fight fans. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe this episode of Combat Sports Talk. Welcome to Combat Sports Talk, a podcast dedicated to UFC and Bellator discussion, the MMA community, and combat sports in general. I'm your host, Ryan Smith, and joining me this week is the man with the keys to victory, John Keys. Oh, hello, everybody. How's it going? What's going on, combat sports world? All right, all right. And coming to us from a, a, a remote location is George G Money Stalwart. What it do, baby? I hit a DFW Combat Company, man. We we moved into our new location. Oh, all right. And we changed our name. Yeah, I I was getting ready to say it. Sounds like y'all changed your name, DFW Combat Company, huh? Yeah. So I I think that was in line with just showing that we offer a lot more, or we we have a lot more uh, variety going on here than just Krav Maga. I I think with the name Krav Maga DFW, uh, there was a lot of connotation where people just thought it was a self-defense academy, that kind of thing. They didn't realize that we have a combat sports program, an MMA program, basically, um, you know, Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, boxing, uh, the whole nine. So um, part of that name change was in order to allow us to, you know, work that into our brand. All right. Beautiful. All right. Well, coming to us live from Dallas Combat Company, George G Money Stallworth. Uh, I, I like the the sure. noise canceling uh, the noise canceling uh, equipment you got over there. You can't hear the screams of the broken bodies that you just finished breaking. <laughs> exactly, and you know but, he's right next to the Trinity too. So he's right back <laughs> from the Trinity. So, well, let me break protocol right quick and give you just a slight peek at what we got going on here. All right, see, see that. Okay. So right over here, right beneath me or below me, you see the ring we have over there. You see our bag area, the body bags, um, so right? Heavy bag. Okay, there you go. Yeah, take place over there. Heavy. Uh, right yeah. in front of the ring, there's hard to tell, but we got a little, you know, uh, space on the mats for like rolling and or Muay Thai, as well as over here, right. a lot more mat space. And there's a, a huge sec- section over to the left of that that you can't see as well. Um, but that area there is again for Muay Thai and or Jiu Jitsu. Um, so yeah, that's basically what we got going on here, man. All right, all and right. If, if I wanna, if I wanna add in there, because I've been by that place quite a few times, um, it's it, it's in the arts. It's like on the at the edge of the arts district. It's a mm-hmm. it's bigger than actually what that what that uh, what that picture shows. It's actually pretty oh, yeah. nice, pretty spacious. You know, you can come there if you need to get your cardio in before you go in there. You know, you can, you can run a few laps there. You know, grab a person there that's that's walking aimlessly. It's like, hey, come on in, and you know, beat the crap out and kill them, throw them in the trinity. It's all good. It's really nice. I'm telling you, it's just really nice. It really right. is, man. Right. I, I I am really really happy with our our new location. Um, I'm enjoying it. Get it getting to the point where you know I'm trying to make it feel like home and finding the different nuances and different things I can do in here that I, I wasn't able to do at the other gym. Well, you know, I think the cool thing about there being a new gym, kind of a new name, you know, to to have some better clarity gives you an opportunity to really go and do something different within within the combat community here in Dallas. And so, you know, that makes me think of what's going on in the MMA world. And so this is how we're going to start the show. Normally, we just recap the fights on Saturday night, but we're not. Not today. No, no. 
We are also breaking protocol by starting with the headliner, the number one thing I want to talk about this week. So let's get into it. This is the headliner. All right, this is the headliner. This is where we talk about the number one thing I want to talk about this week, and that is a an announcement, a breaking news that Ariel Hawani broke about mid middle point of the week, and that is that there was a new MMA promotion that was that that that's on tap to launch uh, sometime in 2023, and it goes by the name of the World Fighting League (WFL). Okay, so. So, so what is this? Why is this different from the PFL, which is the professional fighting league, or the UFC, or Bellator, or 1FC, and all this kind of stuff? It's because this fight league is run by former MMA fighters, number one. Number two, it is a nonprofit organization. And number three, the payment of fighters will be more in line with what you find from a NFL or NBA perspective where fighter pay is a function of the, uh, the, the, the fighter pay is a, is a percentage of revenues for the, uh, for the, the promotion. So it's going to probably get them closer to a 50, 50 split organizational revenue versus fighter revenue. And, and, and what we know for sure is that when you start looking at Bellator and some of these other ones, there could be a it's more of a 65 35 or even the UFC which i think is like 80 20 split or something like that where the promotion makes the majority of the money and the fighters get a smaller portion so the profit sharing between the fighters and the actual promotion is going to be one of those things that's really going to test whether or not fighter pay and being fair to fighters is actually a model that can work in combat sports. Now, here's what makes this also different. What makes it different as well is that with the WFL, you don't fight as an individual. You fight as a part of a team. And these teams have 24 athletes on them. There are three fighters per weight classes. There are eight weight classes in the, in, in the league. And there are going to have four four conferences. There'll be North America, South America, Europe, Africa, and well, North America, South America, Europe, and Africa, and then Asia. So, so that gives you Europe and Africa are are together. Asia and Oceania, which includes your New Zealand and Australia, North America, of course, and then South America. So those are your four conferences. There will be uh, um, each conference will have eight teams. And no more than 24. So this wow. is built to house a lot of fighters. And so what I like about this is that now you're going to have a gym, if you will. We, well, we always talked about how cool would it be to have, you know, American Kickboxing Academy or American Top Team fight Jackson Winklejohn or TriStar or, you know, one of the Brazilian Brazilian gyms. Now we're going to see how that works out because we're going to have that opportunity to see, see, see what happens there. So a lot more to come, but I want to get your initial reaction on, on, on this concept of fight teams having conferences almost like you do in NFL or in the NBA. 
Oh, okay. I'll let you do it first, George. I'll let you go. <laughs> there you go, George. I'm I'm all for it. I'm over here in my head. I, I got my phone out now, trying to figure out some logistics on it because we're looking at um, 24 athletes per team, a minimum of eight teams. Um, each conference, what is it? Uh, three fight fighters per weight class. Like, it it, it sounds very interesting, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to see this and how it's going to play out. It's especially considering the format that they've got lined up with the teams. Um, and then you got to remember things happen like fighters switch camps, fighters go train with different coaches, you know, um, hell, I think of some fighters I know from, from New Zealand and, and from overseas who come to America and train here under a different coach or whatever, even though they got their original coach back in, uh, New Zealand or in, in Australia or whatever, man. So it's, it's going to be, I, I, I could definitely see some, some tensions and things building that this organization is going to be able to be able to play off of and have some storylines too. Cause I think that's one of the things that the UFC has done well is they've, they've allowed fighters stories to come to the forefront and therefore we get involved in the fighter because we, we know his or her story. All right, John keys. What do you think? I agree with George. Um, there's going to be a lot of beef going on around that um, because they do train different camps i mean and on top of that different camps got beef with different camps i mean i would love to see shooter box take on att all right because they got beef there i want to see you know fighters from uh what henry hoops uh uh heart uh what was it 360 versus the black zillions because i think the black zillions are still there okay we still got uh jackson winklejohn versus um oh god everybody Everybody, you know, we still have, uh, what was it? Uh, what was, what was Dillashaw? What, Bang, Bang Elevate, uh, Bang yeah. versus, uh, yeah, Bang Striking uh, Systems or something like that. Team yeah. Alpha Male. I mean, let's yeah. not even let's not even play. Let's get Team Alpha Male and, 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 Ele- and, and Elevation Fight Camp. Let's get them in there first as an inaugural, you know, fight. Yeah. Inaugural you know, pay-per-view. I, pay-per-view. Yeah, here's the thing. I love the idea because now what we are going to get is we're going to get an opportunity to see what um what's going to happen with having a brand. Like now fighters will be under a particular brand as opposed to um how, how fighters may be under a um you know just their own logo or their own walkout shirt now you've got branded walkout shirts so you know for me i'm a big i'm a big nfl fan philadelphia eagles hey i i wear a philadelphia eagles jersey now you have Isn't a fight the camp they're the, the scary chickens yeah uh <laughs> but uh but now you could have a you could have a, a a fight brand that is um you know that is the gladiators out of you know mm-hmm. out of florida or something like that fighting against you know the you know the killers out of out of new york like now you've got brands because each of these um each of these franchises that'll be fighting in in this wfl will have an opportunity to brand themselves and 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 that creates new sponsorships and new ways of being able to generate revenue outside of things like pay-per-view and ticket dollars and things like that the question that i have though okay go ahead so, so here's the question i'm gonna follow up with one more question and that is this but is there room? Are they too late to the game? Because you've got you've got the UFC, which has quote finger quotes the 
greatest fighters in the world. You've got Bellator. You've got PFL, which are, have great fighters. You've got 1FC. You've got these regional promotions. Like, are there enough fighters out there to fill this, to, to fill this up with fighters that casual fans are going to want to watch? I, yes. I think so because they're pulling from the talent pool around the world. They're, they're not just focused in one particular area. I think that's one of the mistakes that a lot of um, these promotions haven't overcome yet. If you're fighting in Bellator, other than maybe, you know, some of the Brazilians that come here, and what happens is most people congregate to wherever those promotions are. Whereas with the UFC, the UFC is more worldwide. They travel, they put on shows in different places. I can't think of the last time I heard of Bellator putting on a show overseas other than I think England sometime recently. Uh, I've never heard of PFL traveling um, to do their shows or whatever. Um, Combat America, I think they, 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 they float between Texas, Arizona, and maybe one or two other places. One Championship does most of their shows over in, in Malaysia. So I, I think with, with pulling these fighters and teams from different places, they're going to be able to play with where fights get to, to happen and take place. That in itself is going to um, build in your crowd. That in itself is going to build in your viewership. And it's also going to allow, like you said, some different sponsorship opportunities because you're traveling to different parts of the world or you're pulling talent from different areas of the world. And also to add on to what George says, that now we're, I mean, if we're at a level now that we're going to get exposed to new fighters from all over the world. We've heard about these fighters. You know, we've heard about the, the Rock Tanks, which we'll talk about much more uh, later. We've heard about the, the, the different fighters from one and people are like, well, you know, who are these people? If this goes down correctly or in my mind, how I'm thinking it's going to go down, which, you know, it will be an eye opener. If anything, this should make this should make Bellator, this should make UFC, this should make all those guys, all those promotions, the big promotions, a little nervous. But the smaller promotions, they should be like, "How can we? How can we get in on this?" Okay, because this is the time now. We're making leagues now. We're making teams of fighters, which if you've been watching anything over in Europe and Russia where they have the team fights and everything, the five-on-fives, it's not going to be like that, but they kind of got an idea. So think about that. We're going to have a – instead of a, a pay-per-view that is two teams in different weight classes just brawling it out, okay, I'm with that. I am for that. I'm, I, you know, I was, I can see a lot of good things happening with this. The only thing that we're, the only bad side is that, is that I think that the, that the promotions like UFC, Bellator, One, all that, that they may, there will be pushback. I expect Dana White to put extreme pushback on it, but I think, you know, other owners may actually try and find a way that they can get in on this and make it happen. I, I, I see it like this, because as you were talking, it really popped in my mind. This is a land grab for the funnel, mm -hmm. right? So, yes, you have people who come over and who are a um, just kind of a, a standout, right? So Patty Pimblett, that we were talking about him a few weeks ago, he was, right. um, you know, Cage Warriors champion, two, you know, two division Cage Warriors champion, just like Connor came into the UFC and he is the star that you know that we are we are wondering whether or not he's going to take the world by storm like Conor McGregor. Right. But here's the thing. 
we're thinking fight camps, but it's not fight camps. It's promotions. These regional promotions can now battle each other. So not, not so team elevation. Saying. I'm talking someone like uh, Legacy Fighting Championships. Why wouldn't Legacy Fighting Championships, why wouldn't they? Because they've got enough fighters on their roster to be able to fill three fighters per weight class across eight weight classes. Why wouldn't they buy a franchise into World Fighting Championships and own the brand, which gets their regional promotion out, and they've got these fighters here? This is something that, that could potentially be a play for the for the funnel, because at this point, if you're able to move from your regional promotions to joining the team in World Fighting Championships, then the funnel turns from the UFC to World Fighting Championships. And so now the great Sorry. fighters that come up through these, they are now signed to the league under, under the banner of these regional promotions. So regional. Cage Warriors would have a franchise because they're based in Europe. Legacy would have a franchise and they're, and they're based here in the United States. And so now you start seeing that if they have this relationship, you could essentially choke the UFC from being able to get that top talent. So in other words, you're saying that the UFC would be like the, the 90s Chicago Bulls in this franchise, and they're going up against like the Detroit Pistons. No, in 1FC. no, so I'm not. I'm not like saying that at all. I'm saying that the UFC won't want to have anything to do with it. And and so right now, because of the strength of the brand of the UFC, the UFC has choice pickings on all of the other best fighters coming out of all the regional promotions in the United States, in in Brazil, and things like that. But if you've got an organization that can build a relationship with some of these other regional brands, then what happens is your feeder system goes from regional promotion and then cream of the crop goes to the UFC to regional promotion to a league that, that, that will bring more money into the regional promotions because they own a franchise. Mm, and, but wouldn't that, and, and I see it now, but wouldn't that, play to UFC to try and try and involve with them rather well, than try and stay stay their own island? Well, you see, the UFC has created a walled garden, right? So UFC does not do crossover promotions. UFC does not play well in the sandbox with other people. But what we know is, is we know that Scott Coker, for instance, has yes. played well with other people. So, so, so he, it, it's very possible that Bellator could buy a franchise into World Fighting League and some of their mid-tier fighters could actually go and fight in, in, in World Fighting League, which elevates the Bellator brand, but also allows Bellator to take advantage in this marketplace of, of, of fighters. Nice. So, so what it ends up happening is, and, and here's, the, here's the cool thing. If you sign up with PF, oh, no, sorry. If you sign up with uh, WFL, you're going to get 50-50 revenue share, we talked about, guaranteed contracts, health insurance, career-ending insurance, and a pension plan. So, so who's not jumping on? So, so why wouldn't so why wouldn't these promotions 
especially the regional ones. So maybe Bellator is too big and Bellator is going to try to go the way of the UFC and create a walled garden. But at the same time, you've got some of these regional promotions that aren't necessarily um, big enough to get the visibility that now all they need to do, and I'm using legacy because legacy fights sometimes here in Allen, um, is, you know, it, legacy will, 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 um, could potentially be the legacy gladiators. I keep using that, 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 that thing. And it's legacy fighters signed to legacy contracts, but now they're fighting against other promotions. Um, maybe there's one in, in, what's that one that, uh, that you were up in, in Detroit, uh, George? Maybe they have, uh, w- yeah, WXE. Yeah. Or, so you- uh, an- another promotion here out of Arkansas, Peak. Um, I get what you're saying. So it's my, not my, just my gym. thought process immediately goes to uh, how would the regional promotions benefit financially? So we've heard you talk about how the fighters are going to benefit in, in that there's a 50 50 revenue sharing. So I'm assuming that other other 50 percent is going towards uh, the WFL. Where right. where is the the regional promotions opportunity to get a, a, a piece of the pie? Well, I, I think it, I think it, it it's going to be, if, if they're going to follow the model of the NBA, the NHL, the NFL, then having a franchise means that now you've got a venue where you're going to f- host these fights because you're going to, there's going to be home and away, right? Um, that you will also have, you'll also have the ability to brand your fighters with your colors, your, and then sell merchandise. Uh, for that, you be begin to treat it more like a sports franchise. We've got a wonderful model, and you know, a, a, pardon me while I throw up in my mouth a minute, but the Dallas Cowboys are the greatest model of what you can do with an individual franchise when you build a base that people care about. People already care about legacy, legacy fighting championships. People already care about peak, but they're not necessarily wearing the LFA or LFC or peak gear it's they're not wearing the the fight kit if you will they're not wearing the hats and things like that the way they could if peak had a franchise and had 24 fighters that are fighting other promotions it's going to elevate their promotion get you a feeder system to all of these aspiring fighters and now you're able to drive them towards something that continues to create elevation for um for your regional promotion but also now the fighters who are attached to it i want to jump in right here and say uh bruce bobchotter he's like uh bjorn rebney needs to needs to run this now of course bjorn rebney used to run uh bellator um until he he left and and scott uh scott coker took over but you know perhaps that was that's a great person who has experience fighting um who's experienced running a promotion um, and it says that it's going to be made up of, you know, kind of MMA insiders and, and former fighters and things like that. So I think there's huge, ex- there's huge opportunity for something like this to be great. Yes. Whether or not they're going to have enough seed funding to be able to make the promotional experience similar to that of the UFC to get people to watch. Whether or not they're going to be able to get the distribution that PFL has so that people are going to be able to, to, to catch it on television. Whether or not they're going to have enough money to be able to turn this into a true league, because XFL tried and they didn't, it didn't work out, um, partially because of COVID. Let me just put it out there. XFL tried it twice and it didn't work out. You had the American Football League, right? That was that was supposed to be, um, or the USA Football League that that didn't make it. 
setting up a, a a brand new promotion, a brand new league is very, very difficult. And so given the fact that there's so much fighting that's out there now, it's possible that this is a great idea that's a little too late. So I can't wait to watch. I think this will this will work for the simple fact that, that we still, for as many fighters, for many promotions that we have out there, there is still that, what if this fighter fight this fighter, okay? Um, so, I mean, that's that's what I want to see. I want to see, I want to see, t- you know, I want to see a, a, a one, a, 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 a team funded by one versus a team funded by Bellator, for instance, or even a, any team funded, you know, going up against a team funded by the UFC to prove, to finally prove the hype, okay, that we talk about, that they are the creme de la creme. Okay, I would love to see t- other teams still looking for that for that 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 monster team from shoot the box. But I understand <laughs> that we can't get it. Okay, under this model, just saying, would love to see it because shoot the box don't play. All right, shoot the box don't play. Well, I will say this: when we're talking about monsters, there were monsters on display on Saturday night, and uh-huh. that was UFC Vegas 37. This is the official decision. All right, this is the official decisions. This is where we talk about the fights on Saturday night. There were six fights on the card. First fight of the night was Antonio Ohio versus Joaquin Buckley. Now, Joaquin Buckley is like this guy. How do how do we not get excited about Joaquin Buckley? Because this is the dude that has the knockout of the year in 2020. Basically, does a, gets his leg caught, spins around, throws a head kick, and knocks the dude out. Um, he has been finishing folks. I think he's like on a five fight win streak, all of them by finishes. And he finishes um, uh, Antonio Ohio via knockout at 226 of round number three. Murder. Murder. Yeah. I, I think he's not getting his, his due because a lot of us do MMA math. And he got uh, manhandled by uh, Trailblazer. I think a lot of people aren't don't have their eye on Joaquin as much now. You get what I'm saying? It's like right, okay, yeah. Trail, Trail Trailblazer stole the thunder that he he could have possibly had, even though his spinning kick knockout I think came after he lost to Trailblazer. So it did. Mm-hmm. It was the revenge yeah. fight. Yeah. So so it, it it's mm-hmm. it's a crazy thing because in this fight, I want to say Antonio Hoyo was a taller, longer fighter. He was landing some some big big kicks on on Joaquin Buckley keeping him at distance through a flying knee that created a huge sub subdural hematoma on on his uh on Joaquin Buckley's head and Joaquin was able to find the strike that really caught um Antonio Ohio right behind the ear that little bone right behind the ear uh-huh. and and that was all she wrote he goes down Buckley's uh Buckley swarms gets the finish at 226 in round number three in the next fight of the night, Tony Gravely uh, lost to Nate Manus. Now, Nate Manus was a tall dude from Kentucky, tall, skinny dude. And I want to say that Manus was like landing the huge strikes early. But at the end of the first round, uh, Tony Gravely throws a huge right hook, catches Manus on the jaw. And Manus gets set down, almost finished. He was saved. 
by the bell. And at that point, you're like, oh, Gravely going to win this fight. <laughs> Gravely, Gravely comes out in the second round. Manus is like, okay, I, I, I have to do something because this dude is throwing bombs for real because he thinks he's going to finish this fight. And Manus was still touching Gravely, gets a nice little, uh, I, I want to I call it like a check hook or something like that, but throws an uppercut, sits grave, uh, sit Gravely's down. Next thing you know, this fight goes from being squarely in Tony Gravely's hand at the end of the first round to being uh, Nate Manus for the win. And when, when, Nate Manus wins this fight at 2 minutes, 10 seconds in round number two. It was an unbelievable come-from-behind weathering adversity all of that kind of stuff so he was winning until he wasn't yeah tony gravely was winning (laughs) until he wasn't and it was like wow how quickly can a fight get out you know how quickly can you lose a fight because you're you're thinking i'm gonna win this fight he wasn't gassed He, he was looking great and then all of a sudden he left himself open and uh, and caught it right in the face, got an uppercut right in the face, and that was it. Uh, Armand Sarukin defeated Christos Giagos via knockout in uh, round number one, two minutes, nine seconds. This one, these guys are big, man. I, I, you know, um, what, what's crazy is that it's 155 pounds, but they look like 185. I mean, they look really big. And and uh, Sarukin just clips, it, clips uh, Christos Giagos and uh and, and that's all she wrote didn't take very long at all yeah it looks it looked like he he just stunned him right in i don't know if it was in the eye or the forehead but wherever button he hit it was like the the emergency reset button because he shut down real quick okay yeah. and he just came in and just started blasting him for it so absolutely absolutely fighting at 125 pounds mandy bohm faced off against Ariane Lipit- lipsky and Lipsky just put on a clinic, man. You, you know, Holly Holm uh, is a great fighter. I don't know if 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 her if 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 the Holly Holm knockoff in Mandy Bone <laughs> can 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 show what uh, <laughs> what Holly is able to do because at the end of the day, Ariane Lipsky just put in some work, cleaned her out. So remember, you want home branded fighters, not bone branded fighters <laughs> if it starts with a b you don't want it <laughs> he is cracking himself up today I see. i'm filling my cheerios as my mom would say yes i am in the co-main event you you had devin clark facing off against the hulk Ewan kutilabra you know we've been calling him eon which I've been proud of because it, at least we weren't calling him Ion. But I've listened yeah. to the to the, the you know to the announcers and they're calling him. There's a W somewhere between the I, the O, and the O in the N. So somewhere there's a W sound. So Ewan Kutilabra uh, defeated Devin Clark via unanimous decision. Now this fight came with a little bit of bad blood because of course you know Ewan Kutilabra likes to kind of get in your face. He likes to you know try to intimidate you. Um, and, and so Devin Clark was like, I'm not having any of that. I'm not scared of this dude. Maybe he should be. You Maybe know, he should be. Nah, I'm not going dis- to disagree because uh, explain why, Mr. Cl- Mr. Uh, Smith. Go ahead. Well, here, here's the deal. Ewan Kutalabra was able to get this fight to the ground, get to full mount, and just start dropping bombs. 
first round, like if you go back, I, I encourage any of you who can hear the sound of my voice, who can see us on, on YouTube, go back, find this fight. If you want to see what a 10-8 round looks like, watch the first five minutes of this fight. Because this this is where Ewan Kutalabra, he's, he's winning on the feet. He's able to get this fight to the ground early, and he is just sitting on top in mount, raining bombs down. The only reason why this fight wasn't stopped is because every time the ref said, Devin, you've got to move, Devin would turn, he would move, he would do something, he would try to get up. Ewan wouldn't, wouldn't, barely wouldn't let that happen, though. Like, it, it was just, there was not a lot that he could do. It's just that Devin was still intelligently defending himself, which kept him in the fight. But this was, it was dominant. Like, the, at, at one point, it was 44 to 11 significant strikes. And all of it is Eon, Ewan uh, Kutilabra dropping bombs and elbows and things like that. I don't exactly know when the, uh, when the, the, um, when 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 the the chron I don't know what you would call it the blunt force trauma happened, but uh, would you would you explain it a little bit better than this? Okay, yeah. can we get a little clarity, sir? So at Where one point, he- at one point in the butt whipping that Ewan Kutalaba put on Devin Clark, the bottom teeth of Devin Clark got rearranged. It was so bad that. That even Michael Bisping, who was doing color, was like, man, that's even worse than British teeth. <laughs> like, like that's how bad it is that Michael Bisping is like, that's some messed up teeth. He goes, he goes, that's messed up teeth, and I'm British. Like, at that point, you know how bad it is. And so it, it's funny. Um, it's, it, it's like um, Bruce, Bruce is in the comments. Bruce, Bruce Bob Trotter is in the comments saying, you know, is the WFL going to provide a dental plan? Uh, because <laughs> because that, right now, Devin Clark is in need of seeing a, de- a, a dentist. And the fact is, is that I, you know, having a having a million dollar smile, you never thought that you were going to have to get your teeth rearranged in order to get a million dollar smile. But that's Dude. what it is. And that and that right there, that is broken and destroyed. Um, good luck on a reconstruction surgery on that. I've actually broken. I've had my my bottom row here broken uh, from a punch, and the root canal and reconstruction that happened after that was not fun. So my man is in. He he thinks he knows pain. He's about to find out. Uh, that that's some serious pain he's about to go through. Uh, yeah, but you know, miracle of modern technology. Was, this happened back in the eighties. This is the twenty. This is the twenty twenties. I think technology will save him. Yeah, it looks like the like like the the broken teeth happened in the second round because it didn't get any better in the second round. Like like Kutalabra was was back in mount at the beginning of the second round. Was was I mean, he was able to do a lot of damage. Unfortunately for the judges for some reason, they gave Devin Clark the third round. Uh, I'm assuming. I haven't seen the fight cards, but every one of these oh, the only only one judge gave Ewan Kutalabra all three rounds. The other two gave Devin Clark a round. And I don't know how you can be manhandled for a 10-8 round in the first round, beaten up in the second round, flinged around the ring in the third round, and somehow because you showed this much offense after you've been smashed up that you should win a round. I just don't see it. It should have been 30-26 on all three cards. Um, But shout-out to Devin Clark. Shout-out to Devin Clark for surviving. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry for cutting I'm, you off like that. Uh, I can explain how you got that. It's because you never leave it in the hands of the judges. Okay, right? Never, ever, ever leave it in the hands of the judges. Oh, is that a drinkable? Is that a drinkable moment? Oh, my bad. Yeah. You know, I don't cup, know. Everybody, new cup. New you cup. got a new cup. You got that, got that. Batman. Batman, big boy. In and speaking of big boys, in the main event of the evening, Anthony Smith versus Ryan Span. Uh, Anthony Smith went in quick work. Like it didn't take long. Anthony Smith was just like, blip blip blip. You had you had uh, Ryan Span staggering around the ring to, to just like jabs and just short hooks and things like that. He goes down, gets choked out, and Smith wins via submission, rear naked choke, 347 in round number one. Um, and he then stands over Ryan uh, Span, yelling, where's that butt whipping now? And so it was one of those things where it was really uncharacteristic of Anthony Lionheart Smith to win a fight and not walk to his ring, you know, and, thing, and walk to his corner of the ring. But in instead, stand over the dude yelling, where's my butt whipping now? Where's my butt whipping now? Which ended up sending security into the ring. They had to be split apart. And then Ryan Spann's like, yo, I'm cool. If he's cool, I'll go and shake his hand. And they were able to shake hands, you know, give, give the, you know, the, the sportsmanship hug and all that kind of stuff. And then go to the opposite corners. But even it was so bad that Anthony Smith was so hot about this that you couldn't you couldn't even hear the post fight interview with Michael Bisping. It was just like, oh, so you know what happened there, uh, Anthony Lionheart Smith? What happened after the fight that caused all the security to run in? And Anthony Lionheart Smith was like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> and it was all muted out. You couldn't hear a word he was saying. He's it just was. like you're reading his lips. You know, you can you can see that his lips did form the F the F position. So we know that some words that were being used probably should be edited out, but yeah. who knows what he had to say. Um, they had to go and interview him a little bit later when he had a chance to cool off. But it all comes down to respect. People don't respect Anthony Lionheart Smith, and because of that, um, he's pretty hot about it. Well, so can we say that Superman met his kryptonite on that fight? <laughs> you could say that, we yes. We can say, okay, so Wait. with Lionheart, uh, it's not like he's not, you know, jumping any of our men or, or any of our co-hosts or anything like that. It's not like he ever tried to do that. Where is KC when you need him? <laughs> Everything about Lionheart shows that he's always remained cool, calm, and, you know, everything like that. But something that Span said actually lit him up because he came in aggressive. He literally jumped in the ring and got real active after the bell. So I, I mean, if that's what it takes for Lionheart to get back in the game for for him for them to put some respect on his name, go ahead and beat them just like that every time and look over them, Lionheart. Look over them, and look. then at the end. He actually, since he since he's been in the commentators booth, he knows who he knows who to call out, and and guess what? He called them out. It was Alexander Rakich. Yeah, Rakich that's right. Said I'm free in December, and that's why I was like, oh my goodness, that's what I'm talking about. Look, I'm over here like, where's KC when you need him? Factory X shout out drink. Uh, where's John uh, yeah. Jones when you need him? John John should have been told him like, this is the butt whooping you should have been out to that guy that broke in your house. Uh, you know, 
this is just several things you can go oh, ahead over here. Oh, um, but oh. to see to see to see Anthony that animated and that um, emotional about something, I think it's good for his career. I think that's one of the things um, that can really turn Anthony's marketability around. He's good on the mic. Uh, he's a good-looking dude. He fights well. He's got all these things going for him, but he hasn't found that niche to make him a top-tier fighter other than winning. But I think this is it. I think we we, we have an authentic Anthony Smith there, and how could you not do anything but love it? Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, I'm, I'm reading the quote that they, that they were able to get from him later, and he was like, you know, you can't say that um, you can't say that you don't care about what I've done. He's like, I've earned the respect of my peers. He says, I put in a lot of work into this game. This dude is over 50 fights, right? Like, you know, yeah. a, 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 a fighter in, in MMA, specifically in the UFC, they would love to get to 30 fights. This guy's at 50 fights. You know what I'm saying? And, and so he's like, I sacrificed my entire adult life to be here, to be in this position where I'm sitting now. That's time with my kids. That's friendships. It's life opportunities. I could have been a surgeon by now. I put a lifetime of work into this, and most of my peers respect me. That's all I ask. He goes, but you don't have to like me. You don't have to get along. We don't have to be friends. You can think you're going to kick my butt, and sometimes you might, but I think just respecting my journey is the only thing I ever expect from anybody. And that was the comments that Ryan uh, Spann um, really was disrespecting and, and, and disrespecting that journey, saying what he's going to do to Anthony Lionheart Smith. And that's just – that's all that gets you is 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 – choked out in the center of the ring in the first round well see and they, exactly and that's because he looks so young you don't you look at anthony smith you're like and just like you know my girlfriend like like that's a kid i'm like that dude is not a kid he's seen some things okay <laughs> he has seen something he is literally i mean lionheart is very befitting of this of, of, of his of his fighting because yeah. that's he literally has went up and down and you know, mm -hmm. and he is he's he's where he is for a reason. You may not like you say, you may not like the dude, but you gotta respect him. Well, okay. it, this is the thing that I love about Anthony Lionheart Smith is the fact that when you look at him and he's sitting behind the the commentator desk or whatever, he's in a suit. He mm -hmm. you, 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 he looks like just a normal nice dude, kind of nerdy looking, you know. And then when he's walking to the ring and he, he's got the shirt off, all you see is just like like tats, like he's like. It's like prison tats because yeah. you know it's it's not a, it's not a cohesive. You know how some of those guys have kind of a cohesive piece that's the both sleeves, maybe all the chest. You get this whole knife. No, nah, his is like a smattering of tattoos that mean just different things. It's like, dude, that guy has seen some things in his life. Like, let's just let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's not just get all into Anthony Linehart Smith. Think that you know he's just some pushover. Like, my question for both of you guys is, who would pick against? Anthony Lionheart Smith. Who would do such a thing? Those people that do not understand. You, you, you zoned you out for a minute. Can you repeat that, that question? That he... Oh, oh go ahead. I asked who would pick against Anthony Lionheart Smith. Mm. And I would say, oh, oh, you picked against. Oh, yeah, eat some of that. Eat some of that. So he don't understand ladies and gentlemen that he is that he's the dude that will pick against a guy that says oh i used to box and wears all baggy clothes okay you don't pick against that guy
Because when he takes some baggy clothes off, you're gonna see that he got abs on top of abs. Have you ever seen a dude with a six with a four pack on top of a six pack? Uh no, I don't that has, uh, that has no. a six pack on his back. No, I don't. That dude? I'm not connected to those OnlyFans sites. Tell me about <laughs> it. I knew you were going there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was, okay. I was waiting on that reference. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, I was actually referencing uh, Baki the Grappler, the anime, but that's a totally different story. All right, but yes. God. We, we, yeah, we can get a combat that. sports talk only fans page started. <laughs> Man, don't do that. Don't do that. Dude, y'all, no. y'all just got, well, yeah, yeah, it'd be you on it, George. There you go. Yeah. Look at George with the with the with the tank top showing the gun show. Oh, okay. You know, I'm surprised. I'm yeah. surprised he didn't pick up that cuff and like, on, oh, on, oh, you know, you know, throwing aside. Throw some some bicep action. I can't because you know I ain't got no biceps. But. Yeah, yeah. I just you know the thing is is you 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 basically be be George with all the all the ripped abs and and muscles and then a bunch of cannonballs between you, me, and Kalechi. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. I, I'm I happy say, uh, with my ab. Okay, I am very happy with my ab. Uh, as a matter of fact, can't, I've actually developed a second. So. Catch me two months from now and, and and see what my body looks like then. <laughs> see, see, I'm gonna tell wait you like I, this. Wait till I can get back on my regular meal plan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, John Keys, see, you got an ab, but see, I've got a Florida ab. You know what a Florida ab is? What's that? I got a FLAB. That's right. I got flab. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all in these dad jokes, boys. Yeah, that's right. I got the flab, man. That's a Florida yeah. ab right there. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm happy. I've, I've actually it actually came out because it was after the surgery I had. Actually, I was like, hey, look at this. I was like, oh my god, there's a second one. So I was happy with that. And I'm I'm happy with it now. So one day I may show it, but I, all I, right, be not safe for work. Yeah, that's here. right. It'll it'll be it'll be the combat sports talk calendar, twenty thirty seven. You we know, can get there, guys. Like, uh, <laughs> in, the, in, in the draw me, draw me like your French girl pose. Is that, is that what doing? <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and close the book on this one and put put this card on the shelf. Now let's get into the headlines that are making waves in the UFC world with finding the angles. All right, this is Finding the Angles. This is where we talk about the fights, and or not the fights, but the headlines that are making waves in the MMA world. This is where, you know, as I was thinking about it, for those of you who are listening, perhaps these are things that you have missed that are headlines that are, that, that, um, that are worth talking about. And so one of the things, because you know that I'm the biggest homer when it comes to Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson has a special rules fight against Muay Thai champ, Rod Tang. And so we talk about Muay Thai, Muay Thai a little bit on the show. One of us has a, has a certain affinity for it. Um, it's this guy right here in the tank top. Um, and so my favorite fighter against one of his favorite fighters are, are going to clash on December 5th in a special rules fight. Round one and round three are going to be Muay Thai only. Round two and round four are going to include elements of MMA. And so therefore, the question is, can Rod Tang get Demetrius Johnson out in the first round, or are we just going to watch him choke, uh, watch 
uh, DJ choke out Rod Tang in the second. That's what I want to know. <laughs> Not going to go past two rounds. Wow. Wow. Um, I don't know. How I would tend to agree that. with you. Unless Rod Tang has really been training his wrestling and jiu-jitsu, I don't see how he's going to make it out of the second round against Mighty Mouse, other than if he can somehow prevent Mighty Mouse from laying hands on him or actually grabbing him, I mean. Yeah, I see, I, I, I see nothing but pain in this. Yeah, I just don't I just don't see that because I mean, is is Mighty Mouse uh, an elite kickboxer? No, he's not. I think he's going to get pieced up and touched up in in the first round. The question is whether or not Rod Tang is going to be thinking about I got to get this fight over in the first round, because what we know about true Muay Thai uh, practitioners is that the first round is a, often spent as a feeling out period. And so if mm-hmm. he's looking for distance, if he's trying to check to see what's open and what's not, so that he can kind of turn it up, that is going to play in the hands of Demetrius Johnson because we know that Demetrius has great wrestling, great grappling, the clinch that might happen on the cage when you can drop levels and take a guy's legs out from under him. It's going to be very interesting to see whether or not we're going to... And, and, and there's so much you can do on the ground from from arm bars to, you know, to Kimuras to, you know rear naked chokes to there, there's so much that the Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is elite at that when it becomes MMA I don't think I don't think it's going to fare well for Rod Tang. there is one way and that's if he reverse wrestles uh like uh Chuck Liddell's style because Chuck Liddell he he would often say that what he what he would do reverse wrestling which is he would do everything once a person gets him on the ground he, it was his mission to get back up to, to a standing position and continue fighting that way. And that may be the only way that you can probably neutralize Demetrius. The, the only problem with that is that Chuck Liddell was an NCAA Division I wrestler. Yeah. Saying that. Yeah. Rod Tang? I, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. December 5th can't come fast enough because I want to see, see what, what he's going to be able to do. Let's see what Rod Tag's pedigree is. I think he's going to say, you know what, for the, for this fight, we're going to forego that, um, that that feeling out process, and we're just going to come in and try and kill this man. So, yeah, I, I mean, I feel bad for Demetrius, but I, I think I can't imagine Demetrius not having the strategy to get this to the second round. So I would disengage. I'd stay quick stay away and and make it to the second round because it, it it's so much harder to kick somebody when they're when they don't want to when they don't want to engage but grabbing somebody by the leg pushing them up against the cage and then seeing what happens i, I think that perhaps you demetrius is going to be able to get this fight to the ground um you know what i was going to say and so uh is when you said what is rod tang's pedigree i was going to say I think he's a black belt in Brazil in, in Muay Thai. <laughs> Dude, I'm not even gonna. Jump I wasn't gonna say. I was, I'm not gonna say it. He, I've seen. He has fought 319 fights. I think he he's seen a, a few things. Strong, a two sixty-seven, forty-two, and ten. That I mean, that's almost that, George's record. I know. I know. Right? Whatever. <laughs> minus, the 40, <laughs> minus the forty-two and ten. Okay. <laughs> right. Still undefeated. You know? <laughs> oh my God! This man is a murderer. Yeah, he is. And uh, so this is why I think 
at first I was like, I don't really want to watch this fight, except for the fact that it's Demetrius Johnson. But now it's interesting because I see the rules. Like now there's a chess wait. game here. There's a strategy. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I just noticed something that just uh, my eyes almost fell out when I saw it. You know, I've heard about Rod Tang for, what, several years, long as we've been doing this, at, at least. And I just realized when this dude was born. This dude was born in 1997. Dude's only 24 years old. And he has 319 fights on here. Holy say Lord. no, Demetrius. Say no. Just say, it's too say late. dude. <laughs> Uh, dude, I'm done. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> my legs, my body, everything hurts all of a sudden. Okay, I'm good. I don't even know, man. I know. 324. Oh. 319 fights. My goodness. Wow. He came out the womb kicking people. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he literally kicked the doctor. He needs the nurse. <laughs> you know? He clenched his he mama. Like, Hold on, yeah. Man, whoa. yeah, his his mom didn't have a placenta. She had a heavy bag, is what she had. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my <God. laughs> oh my god! Hold on. He was fighting at okay. Officially, they're saying he was fighting at the age of eight. Okay, and oh my goodness! And then at the age of fourteen, he moved to Bangkok to join the current gym he's been with. Wow, he was he was fighting tigers and 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 king cobras at eight, man. Man, that's that's, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, I'm not happy about that. Wow. But you know what else I'm not happy about? What's that? That Davidson Figueredo and Brandon Marino have just been booked. <laughs> December 11th, the trilogy is on. First fight ended in a draw. The second fight ended in a first round submission victory by. Brandon Moreno, and now Davidson Figueredo is like, no, I want to roll that back, and they're going to run it back one more time. I feel like if you get choked out in the first round, you got to you 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 don't just get back into the championship fight. You got to go yeah. fight somebody else. That's a submission that, that you lost to. This wasn't like a flash uh-huh. knockout. This was you lost via submission. And, and well, on top of that, you lost via submission. And you are a high-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt from Brazil. You got choked out by a guy from Factory X. Drake. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, just saying. So, so yeah, I, the fact that they, they that they put this fight back on the cards, I, you know, I guess the fans want to see it. I, I'm definitely going to watch it because I like Brandon Moreno and I like uh, I like um, Davison Figueredo. I just don't think that they, that should be the very first title defense for Brandon Moreno. You know, is this going to be one of those situations where it's like how many D- Davison Figueredo we're going to keep fighting him versus Brandon Moreno until Brandon loses? Like, we, <laughs> let's not do this. Well, it's one of those things that there was a lot of energy going on. Okay, between these two fighters, so. Why not strike while the iron's hot? You know, if he wins, he wins. If he doesn't, you know what? Shut him up and move him along. Because I, I do see, I do, if 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 Davison does win, I do see a, a four coming. So, Brandon, if Brandon's up to, to fighting him, let him go ahead and have it. I agree with you. 
you got you submitted you submitted you said i give up you didn't pass out or anything like that because if even if you got if you choked out and you went to sleep i would say okay give him another fighting chance because he wasn't he wasn't done to quit but you quit uh, you quit I, so I, I disagree with you on the last part name. huh I, I disagree with you on the last part once you get submitted you, you submitted dude like no, I go mean, to sleep or tap out. Pass out. If you pass out without giving up, you you know that's one. That's it. You can, like okay. He was he was he was still warrior born, but you gave up so hard that you you changed your name, dog. Okay, that that should that should be enough right there. See, I got you. I got you. I just don't agree with you. I I would much rather say I tapped to live to fight another day than the other guy says. I shut the lights out. Like I left you sleeping on the canvas why do i need to fight you again had i held on you would not even exist in this world i let you live that's basically what i would be telling you right now it's like no you tapped you quit you gave up i had you yeah this is still a sport no i let you live you exist on this world because of my generosity that's where i am if you let it go to sleep Okay, at that point I throw chairs. Okay. <laughs> no, this is this is like this is like taking taking Kamara Usman and where he goes, I broke your face. Like I broke your face. That takes it to another level. Yeah, yeah, you had to say it slow too. I broke your face. <laughs> Look him dead in the eye. I broke your face. Like he doesn't you really don't understand. So so let me let me put you in a chokehold and you go to sleep. That's where I'm saying your kids have a parent, have a dad, because I let them have a dad. Like that's where I'm at. So so no, for me, I'm tapping every time because I'm not even going to give you the satisfaction of, of 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 saying that to me. Like you're just not. <laughs> I can hear it. I can feel that. I, I and I feel that. I mean, literally, when you were saying it, I'm like, this is just a hypothetical. But I was when I said I'd throw chairs at that point, I was really <laughs> saying if we were across the table, that's chairs coming off from under me. Okay. And I'm throwing it, you know. Yeah. Okay. I like, so I don't like how you said this. Okay. So why do you think Kalechi was trying so hard to get me to fight one more time? Like, <laughs> this is the trash talk that Kalechi had to deal with. Drink. For years, yeah, it is a drink. It is, is a drink. I'm referencing the fight between me and Kalechi. Here we go. Uh, I don't actually have anything in in my cup. I I keep forgetting to bring something to drink. Trust with. me, I can drink for the both of us. But oh, um, God. but yeah. Oh, by the way, when we were asking about where Kalechi was, I did text him that um, ask him if he was still in witness protection, given the fact that Anthony Smith choked out Ryan Span. Um, I was like, are you still in witness protection? Yeah, he should. He should be the way Anthony was great. Yeah. Man. Here's the thing, though. We know uh, Davison Figueredo as uh, Deus de Guerra, right? Uh, God of War. But they've got him listed as Daiko. And that started a, a, you know, a search for John and I to, to start really asking, like, where does Daiko come from? Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that, John? Uh, yeah, I can. All right. So um, just, a, just a couple things. All right. First of all, uh, there, there is an influence of Japan, Japanese culture in brazil 
All right. As you know, as you can see in jujitsu and everything like that. However, let's look at let's look at Davidson Figueroa. And, you know, for him, he's had a lot of jobs. OK, he was a bricklayer. He was a security guard. He was a fisherman. He was a hairdresser. He was a motorcycle taxi driver. But the one thing that we're going to put out is he was a sushi chef. OK, and that and from there, we, we were like, well, let's if that is so, let's look at the Japanese side of it. What does what does Daiko come from? Well, it comes from Daikon. All right. If you look at Daikon, it's a different it's spelled differently in, in Portuguese. K is C. OK, they're very literal, literal, except in a couple of um, instances about how their pronunciations are. And Daikon in Japanese, the, 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 if you Americanize it, is K. Daikon stands for drum. So we're thinking that Daikon, which is K in Portuguese, is a play on Daikon, which is drum. His name is Davison the Drum Figueroa, which I guess he's implying that he's going to beat on some people or something, or they're going to beat on him. I, I don't know at this point. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm interested now to find out where where this drum idea comes from because then you could think of okay god of war and drum maybe he will beat someone like a like a drum maybe it's the war drums of the god of war maybe you know i the it's an interesting thing so in so much as i'm not happy with davis and figueredo being the first fight uh after brandon moreno wins the title i i do like davis and figueredo because of the fact that he has done so much to get to where he is I mean, yeah. being a fisherman, being a hairdresser, you know, they were they were showing him video of him actually styling hair and stuff like that. Like this guy has done everything it takes to get to the spot where he's at. And you got to applaud that. You got to respect that. I mean, this is what Anthony Smith is talking about, right? Like this is what I have done. The sacrifices that I have made to put me in a position to fight for a title someday. And J Davidson Figueredo as a bricklayer and a security guard and a fisherman and a motorcycle taxi uh, driver has done just that. And I can't help but love that guy because of that story. And plus his Instagram is so funny. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> his Instagram is awesome. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, this is a guy that we, he shouldn't, he should have just named himself every man because he's done it all. Um, he's, but that's the sacrifice. You work hard, hard work, and courage. That's that's all you got in life to do. To, in order to get where you want, to do what you love, it takes hard work and courage. Which we do have a shout out about that later. We will talk more about that later. All right. Well, you know, talk, talking about talking about um, you know taking courage and hard work and things like that. Sometimes you're not always successful, True. and 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 so it. When you're not successful and you make some bad decisions, how do you bounce back? And that's kind of where the the combat sports world is is really asking that of Triller, because Triller, of course, we talked about Triller last week, um, had planned to put Oscar De La Hoya versus Vitor Belfort in a ring. Of course, Oscar De La Hoya came down with COVID nineteen, so Evander Holyfield, one week before his sixtieth birthday decided to step into the uh, into the cage or into the ring sorry octagon cage ring ring um, the boxing <laughs> ring <laughs> against Vitor Belfort um, and you know the fact is is that nobody really wanted to see that 
they pulled 150,000 buys on pay-per-view. Now, just to get a sense of how much that is, that's about $7.5 million. And the, and, and the fact is, because it's boxing and because of the fact that, you know, they were paying pretty hefty purses for each one of these fighters, it's likely that they are going to have massive losses because of the fact that no one wanted to see that fight. It was so bad that their PR company, EAG Sports Management, was like, rage quit. We're done. We're not even gonna, we're not even gonna, gonna back Triller anymore because they keep putting on these, these sideshow fights. And so now the question becomes, what does Triller do? Triller. Okay. So there's a lot of things that were going crazy about this. Um, they, a lot of people didn't realize that the fights that Triller have been putting on were all exhibition fights, first of all. Mm-hmm. That was a big point of why this, uh, mm-hmm. EAG left them, because they were like, we didn't even know that they were that they were doing uh, exhibition fights like that. Um, the sideshow fights, yes, they are still putting them on, because it's one thing to recognize, hey, we ought to put dream fights together. There's a different story when it's doing what they did. They should have never never put Evander Holyfield in a fight 10 days against a, a person like Vitor. And it's not like it was post-TRT Vitor. No, this was TRT Vitor they put him in with. His body was like, oh, and I was like, oh, my God, the poor Evander Holyfield's going in with that because we've seen TRT Vitor. He's a monster, okay? He is a <laughs> literal beast. Post TRT Vitor, I've been like, okay, he got a chance. Okay, no, not, no, no, never. Vitor Belfort with TRT equals destruction, okay, on every level against a man that age. So here's the question, though. We all know that Evander Holyfield shouldn't have been in the ring. I mean, the fact is, is that Oscar De La Hoya shouldn't have been in the ring. So whose responsibility is it to protect fighters who are competing past their prime? Great story. Um, I think it was MMA Fighting who, who posted this. Um, and I think that, yeah, it was MMA Fighting story about who should protect fighters competing past their prime. Ultimately, it came down to a poll that they had at the end of the story. And that's where I want to I I engage you, George. You know, who should decide when a fighter should retire? Is it the fighter themselves? Is it the athletic commission? Is it the manager or the coach? Or is it that fighter's family? Well, retirement definitely should be up to the fighter himself. But the commission, the the sanctioning organizations have an obligation to be sure that fights that are being allowed um, are safe. Um, And as as we see, we got a lot of guys skirting, you know, in and out of the – that area and one of the ways they're using the skirt is by putting on exhibition fights things like that so um there's, there's going to have to be some other some other avenues of, of stepping in and making sure that we don't see these kind of things happening anymore i don't know who could have stopped you know this fight between vitor and and evander it, it shouldn't have happened i think you're right i think the the oscar de la hoya fight should never been on as well um, but at the same time, as an older fighter myself, I get it. You know, I'm I'm 48, 
And I'm planning at least two fights this year and are, and looking forward to next year. Who's going to tell me to stop fighting? I, I feel like I'm more than capable of putting on great performances, dominating my opponents, and and being safe. Um, some other people might not have share that same view or perspective of myself as I have. You get what I'm saying? Doesn't right. mean they're right. Doesn't mean I'm right either. I, I, I really don't know who should, you know, be in charge of that, man. Like I said, the, the commission has a job. Your sanctioning organizations have a job. Um, outside of that, the next, you know, the, the next security blanket in, 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 or the next security level in place is the fighter and or his coach. All right. John Keyes, what do you think? Um, well, based off my philosophy, a fighter can't, a fighter will continue to fight until he can't. A man, the coaches are going to continue to train that said fighter. In my opinion, I do believe it's the athletic commissions that sit there and say, hey, if you can't pass these certain guidelines, if you can't do this, then, you know, we can't we can't have you in this organization. We can't we can't sanction a fight for you. George is right. Okay, George is proven proven is a living proof to me that shows a fighter can still fight past forty. Okay, I'm and I I applaud him for that. Okay, however, we got if you're gonna do something like this, you gotta say all right, put him with a fighter that's closer to his age range, his physical type, and everything like that. That's that's he should never yeah. you know. Event of Holyfield's fighting a guy that was, for all sakes and purposes, twelve years younger than him, maybe even more. But that should that should have been an Oscar De La Hoya was forty four. Um, Vidor is what 42, 44 no, himself. Vidor is forty four. Okay, Vidor is forty four. They were at the same age. They should have fight. But fighting the man that's almost sixty, there is no honor in that. There is no glory in that. Okay, that man should have never. And and shame on Triller. Kind of shame on the athletic commission for saying, "Yeah, that'll be great." No, it's not. Fight if 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 Evander Holyfield at fifty eight was fighting a fighter that was fifty five. Okay, if they're in the same physical realm of each other, they'd still look in the same physical shape. Okay, that's a master's division fight. However, what this was not that. Well, I think that's this is what they were attempting to do, even though they they failed miserably at it. They fit one, like you said, the age, as far as the discrepancy in age, I don't necessarily see that in, as a problem per se. Mm -hmm. The problem, I, I think what they tried to offset with each other was Vitor was not a boxer. Vitor was an MMA fighter. So therefore he's coming into a boxing met with, match with a deficit, you know, because that's not his skill set per, per se. Vice right. versa, um, we would think Evander has the one up on him in that, you know, Evander even made comment of it. He's like, Hey, this boxing game is, is, is this is what I do? You know, that's not what he does. This, this is my skill set, even at close to 60. Um, so I, I think they, they were trying to offset some things and unfortunately this matchup just failed horribly at it. I think you're right. Plus, I think the Oscar De La, De La Hoya fight probably would have been a little bit more entertaining and a little bit more evenly matched. Um, so, and Matchmakers have to be cognizant of that, I, and and you just never know. You know, we don't, we didn't know which Evander Holyfield was going to show up. 
You know what I'm saying? Evander kind of could have came out there and looked, and he could have came out there and looked deadly. We just never know. He, no, he no, could no, have, but we saw we saw the training videos, man. And we saw TRT. We saw TRT Vitor. Okay, yeah. that's it. Okay, TRT Vitor. That's like you know, if you if you read if you read the Batman comics, but Bane pumped up on that venom and he became super muscular. <laughs> that was that's TRT Vitor. Okay, and anybody could go back to videos of TRT Vitor and show that he is a monster on that stuff, dude. Okay, even Chell can attest to that. All right. Yeah, Jail knows what it's like. Yeah, uh, so does Michael Bisping. I mean, it's just one of those things where you, Vitor Belfort wasn't winning fights by submission. Vitor wasn't winning fights on the ground. Vitor was knocking folks out. So uh, we could keep talking about MMA fighters who um, who don't do boxing, you know, as their as their thing. And yeah, you you have one of the greatest to ever do it from with, with Floyd Mayweather wasn't you know wasn't really in any danger by Conor McGregor who was a you know, pure striker. At the end of the day, what we're finding is that these MMA fighters who made their living striking, they're not bad at what they do. I mean, we think about Anderson Silva, right? Anderson Silva. I'm over, fighting, I'm over here looking up Vitor's last knockout other than uh, Evander. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, Anderson Silva and, and Tito Ortiz are, are another one where Tito Ortiz made his living wrestling, whereas as Anderson Silva made his living knocking folks out, and we saw how long that fight lasts. Which brings me to my next story is Anderson Silva. There was a video that was posted on online where Tito Ortiz was on video thanking Anderson Silva for giving up Anderson's first class ticket because there was a mix up in the, in the, in the, in, in the travel home from the Triller fight, which was the co-main event of the, uh, Evander Holyfield Vitor Belfort fight where only Tito Ortiz had a first class ticket. His wife did not. And so Anderson Silva, of course, had a first-class ticket. And so Anderson Silva gave Tito Ortiz's wife the first-class ticket so that she could sit in first-class with her husband. Um, and then, I guess, Anderson flew coach. But, you know, at the same time, I think everyone's asking this question of, you know, if you have two tickets, one's a first-class ticket and one is a coach ticket, and you're flying with your spouse, who gets the first class ticket? Because in, 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 in the marriage of Tito Ortiz and, 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 and Tito Ortiz's wife, it seems we don't have any evidence to know for sure. So this is allegedly, this is presumptively, it seems as though the answer in the Ortiz household is I get the first class ticket. <laughs> wife, you go sit in the back. I'll send I'll send some peanuts your way once they hand out the hors d'oeuvres or whatever. So it's not like I'm Michael Jackson, you're Tito. It's I'm Tito Jackson. I'm Tito Ortiz. You're whoever you are. You're Randy. <laughs> <laughs> like like I'm not Michael. I get it, but you Randy and I'm Tito. <laughs> You read me. Then the real right. Michael showed up. Then the real Michael showed up and gave you a ticket. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I think this goes. I, yeah, it, it is. It is. Uh, my bad. But at the same time, Anderson Silva, I think this is part of his legacy. I think that, 
you know, as much as I believe that Hoist Gracie is the goat of MMA, right? I, I, I it's one that I've stand, stood on that forever. This that Anderson Silva is doing, and I think Dana White is the one who said it, is that these are the stories that will keep Anderson Silva relevant after his MMA career. You know, I think these are the stories that go and show and humanize Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva has called everyone who suffered that same ankle leg break that he's he's suffered. He's called them all. He's been helping, trying to help provide them some support. He's been, you know, he's done this thing that, that the legend of Anderson Silva begins to grow, not in the ring, but now outside of the ring and what he's doing as a humanitarian, as a, as a human to reach out to people who are suffering. And I think this is something that I think is vital for a person to be able to claim goat status. It's not the fighting and the winning in the ring because anybody can do that. I mean, I proved that. I beat up Kalechi like 16 times. Twice. Oh, wow. Um, but wow. uh because he's not here. Drake, he's a witness, Drake. he's a witness protection. He he can't hear this. Um so, not only that. <laughs> I just need you, George, not, only that, not to be texting Kalechi. It's coaching. <laughs> sending him, look, sending him screenshots of, of, of the actual conversation where you you're disparaging him. Yeah, I don't need that. <laughs> sending him <laughs> I don't need that. Hey, but Anderson Anderson is also coaching one of his sons who's fighting now too. So I mean, oh, yeah. we, we're we're going to see Coach Anderson as well in in this era of uh, his life. Right, and, and so imagine if Coach Anderson Silva is able to get a a champion who is as dominant as he was in this modern era. So you've got Anderson Silva, the fighter who was dominant in his era. You've got Anderson Silva, the humanitarian who's done things to reach out to other fighters and to advocate for fighters, you know, in his personal time and, and to do things like giving up his, his, his seat in the first class for Tito Ortiz's wife. Um, and then coaching someone to, you know, these high levels of MMA and, and, and combat sports. If he's able to do that, I think he starts making that legitimate, well-rounded case that perhaps his impact on MMA goes far beyond just winning the UFC title. All right. Speaking of people who won the the UFC title, Conor McGregor, former double champ, first double champ of the UFC, uh, tried to pick a fight with Machine Gun Kelly, a.k.a. MGK, a rapper at the MTV Music Video, Video Music Awards. Uh, it was a really weird story. This is one of those... Uh, this is one of those stories that's kind of the, um, you know, what did I miss? So what did I miss? No. What did I miss? <laughs> be, 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 because, of course, this thing happened, like, on Sunday. We, like, we recorded the show, we published the show, and then Sunday night, Conor McGregor starts throwing drinks at Machine Gun Kelly on the red carpet, and we're like, oh, we got to wait the entire week <laughs> before we can talk about it. Um. So, so yeah, basically, the, the way that TMZ said that the story went is that Conor McGregor asked to take a picture with Machine Gun Kelly. Machine Gun Kelly's like, nah, fam, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to take a picture with you, Conor McGregor. And Conor McGregor got pissed off, started throwing drinks, and, and they had to be separated. Conor McGregor's people said, no, Conor doesn't want to take a picture with Machine Gun Kelly. That's even ridiculous to, to mention it. And that's when Jake Paul was like, well, actually, what I believe happened is 
Conor McGregor thought Machine Gun Kelly was me. Because, of course, we know that Jake, mm. Jake Paul has been trolling and continues to troll Conor McGregor. Even the, the, you know, the, 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 the necklace uh, that he had made of, of Conor McGregor uh, sleeping on the, on, on the canvas that he gave to Dustin Poirier. Like, all of these things that it's entirely possible, blonde-haired, you know, tall guy in, you know, at the VMAs, it's possible that Conor could have mistaken identity. And was trying to get get at Jake Paul, um, and Machine Gun Kelly was actually the recipient of it, and uh, you know that's a, that's an interesting, crazy thing. I mean, I'm not finding one is likely. Uh, you know, in this day and age, there, there's there's just we got too many people around these guys for a mistake, a, a case of mistaken identity. And, you know, somebody's in Connor's ear saying, oh, that's Megan over there. Oh, that's him over here, or this, you know, over here. And if it had been Jake Paul, especially considering that there's been this back and forth where he's been trolling, somebody would have been in Connor's ear. Hey, that's that damn Jake Paul over there. Get, you know, they, they, I think that should have been something else. I, I don't think but, that's the case. But what if, just what if that person that was sitting there that was in Connor's ear did say, "Hey, isn't that Jake Paul over there?" Because you know yeah. it's not like his team is known for rationality. I mean, they they did jump on a plane and flew eighteen hours to New York, <laughs> okay, to actually do to try and get active on some people. Okay, I'm just saying he it's a stretch. Mm-hmm. It's a real stretch. I can kind of see that it could be um, not Jake, but Logan. He looks more on the Logan side of the of the game than Jake because Jake's face is more fuller. However, you look at Logan Paul, Logan Paul does have a skinnier face, a little more sunken face. I mean, Machine Gun Kelly has uh, more sunken, possibly, I won't say chemically enhanced sunken face, <laughs> but, you know... There it is. So it could be possible. You know, and then on top of that, we're hearing rumors that it wasn't it wasn't uh Kelly that pushed him, it was security that pushed him out of the way. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, mm. this is you know Conor McGregor, okay? A lot of people know a lot of people know Conor McGregor more than they know Machine Gun Kelly. And 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 I think that I think you may be right though because I think that Logan Paul is taller than Jake. Yes. So it could have been that he thought it was Logan Paul, and uh, and so because I know that Logan jawed off with Connor as well. And then I think you're you're right too in saying that Connor isn't exactly known for thinking things through. Um, I, I thought it was funny that he was like, "I don't fight, I don't fight people who aren't fighters." Like, well, who was that dude that you punched in the bar? Well, you know, everybody Irish is a box. That old, that old dude in the punch in the bar. Because I don't think he was a fighter. So, Connor, I, you do fight fighters, and it's entirely possible <laughs> that you know that that you were trying to get at Machine Gun Kelly, whether you thought it was Jake Logan or uh, indeed you knew who it was. The, of course, whenever a fighter gets into trouble, the first person people want to go to and talk to is Dana White, president of the UFC. And Dana White's like, look, guys, I oversee, he said, 700 lunatics. He goes, I have, I, this is the fight game. 
what do you think is going to happen? I can't be here giving you a, a, an explanation and a rationale every time somebody acts out. Like this is like what do you what do you expect from me? He goes, this isn't Microsoft. This isn't a company where everybody is is you know the brightest bulb in the in the in the in the box. No, this is a this is the fight game. This is the fight business, and crazy stuff is going to happen. It's just that's the way it is. And I'm like, you know what, Dana, you're right. Um, Daniel Cormier actually commented on this as well, and Daniel said, perhaps Conor McGregor has been this gimmick for too long. Now, I'm not going to say the actual quote. From Tropic Thunder, but you know the quote that I'm talking about. You never go full. <laughs> never go full, Connor. Huh? <laughs> yeah. And so Daniel Cormier is saying that perhaps Connor has gone full Connor, and he believes the gimmick. He's lost the uh, he's lost the the line where you're Connor, the business person, Connor, the dedicated fighter, Connor, the father, Connor, all of these virtues that we all as a society hold to be true versus Connor, the jerk business billionaire who, you know, who wears these, you know, expensive suits, flies in expensive planes and does all of these things. It's a gimmick. It's a persona. It's how you were able to get your following so big, that bravado that we love so much, him on the mic, that that, that can't be the guy that's at home. And if you lose the visibility between the line between the, the 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 guy on the mic who is a, who is disrespectful and and all of those things and you're that person all the time then things like this happen which brings me and then I'll let you guys comment to the Chael Sonnen um video that Chael I I Chael is is rising very quickly to become one of my favorite commentators in MMA um because I think that he did a great job of providing context around what Daniel Cormier was saying is we make many references to WWE professional wrestling. And if you're going to be a great professional wrestler, you have to live the gimmick that you have in the ring in real life. The best example is Hulk Hogan is not going to get a restaurant and, and book a restaurant as Terry Bolia, right? He's going to book it as Hulk Hogan because the persona that you live in 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 the ring is the persona that you have to live in real life for it to work but you in your head have to always be able to keep it keep the line as strong as possible so you don't fall into believing it which is what he Chell Sonnen said Rick Flair did Rick Flair lost the line he began to believe that he was the high profile and guy that 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 you know the famous quote that Rick Flair did and Rick Flair ended up spending up all his money didn't have you know all of the things that happened to Ric Flair, and now he's in his sixties, in his seventies, and he's still trying to try, trying to make it because he lost. He went full Ric Flair. He went full Connor. You know. And so, what I'm interested in hearing your perspectives are is this gimmick that Connor Connor has. Do you see that Connor can still tell the difference between who he is as a as a human? versus who he is as a persona or do you think that it is gone or do you think there never was a gimmick that connor was always this guy the whole time who wants it first <laughs> all right connor connor is being being connor this this is who connor is um i mean it's both sides it's the angel and the devil he he, he he's 
it's the duality of man. It's the duality of a fighter. You know, he felt offended, so he acted out. It's like Dana White did. You know, the I got lunatics in the UFC. These guys, you know, he Connor gets hit in the head for a living. That in and of itself tells you that there is some 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 mental incohesiveness. So all right, John Keys, what do you think? Well, um, yeah, you can't, you know, thank God for Robert Downey Jr. for that line. Um, it's just like with John Jones. Um, John Jones, for the for God knows how many years, he came off as this very, you know, down-to-earth fighter, that guy that was just hungry and everything like that. But little did we know that there was a monster inside. We saw peaks of it from time to time. And then finally, he just let it all hang out. And I think that's what's yep. happened with Connor. That he, that you know, <laughs> he, he may have came, came calm and everything. And like, you know, confident fighter. But eventually, it started hanging out. And he can't put it back in. So he's <laughs> he's 100% out there now. He's, he's out in the game. He's for the streets. Yeah. I, I, as for me, I, I really think that Conor McGregor, I, I still think that he I think he's holding on by his fingernails to to the to 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 the guy that he was when he started the UFC, when he was a cage warrior, two time champion, when he was the Patty Pimblet of of of, you know, the the, the teens, um, you know, it, it's 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 kind of one of those things now that. Too many more of these because I, I I've had the the luxury of knowing people who live in Dublin who are adjacent to Conor McGregor and 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 you know they have told they have told stories of how after Conor McGregor became a celebrity he began to act out even in Dublin and we've seen certain things happen you know we've seen him smashing phones we've seen him punching people. We've seen, you know, those stories. And those are the stories that make the air. There are other stories that I've been privy to of Conor McGregor, um, you know, possibly acting out in ways that his, his, his affluence and, and the money that he has affords him the ability to do so. Um, his notoriety, he's able to kind of push people around and be a bit of a bully, um, where it's not illegal, where it doesn't make the news. And so I think that, th that Conor McGregor is holding on for dear life to that to the normality of what it is that we hold um, those values to be true. And I think that he's very quickly losing his grip on the reality of of, of being a normal person. He's, he's becoming the gimmick. He's going full Connor. Um, and uh, it may play well for his career. But I don't know that it's going to play well for his relationships. I don't know that it's going to play well for his 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 sanity longer term. Because but, but Ryan, you got to ask the question: How's his career going right now? I think Con I think I think Chell Sonnen said it best. Connor is broken. He's healing. He doesn't have a fight booked, and we're still talking about him. Mm. So. So his his career is going pretty well considering, but what happens when you reach these later ages? Because Connor's like early thirties. What happens when you reach those later ages and all you've ever been is the bad boy billionaire Connor McGregor, if you will? What happens then? 
he becomes like Tito Ortiz. Perhaps he does. Yeah, perhaps he does. Remember, Tito was the Huntington Beach bad boy Mm -hmm. doing crazy things. And then, ooh, yeah, you're on Trilla getting knocked out. Yeah. And and so, you know, that's something that we're going to watch long term is what happens to Conor McGregor, because at the end of the day, we are going to see whether or not the game that he plays today is going to be it's going to finally sunset and he becomes a normal person again. Or if he's going to try to live out this persona, this gimmick for the rest of his life. I'm, I'm excited to see that. Speaking of the rest of their lives, there are two fighters that are notable fighters that we've talked about a lot on, the, on, on this podcast. And that is Carlos, Carlos Condit and Joseph Benavides. Both of them um, have announced their retirements from the MMA and from the UFC uh, this week. Carlos Condit, of course, is, a, is a, the natural-born killer, former WEC champion, interim champion for the, for the UFC, and, and had some of the best fights. Uh, one of those was which, uh, against George St. Pierre. Another one was against Robbie Lawler. Probably Robbie Lawler's second greatest fight of all time. First one being Roy McDonald, but the second one right after the Roy McDonald fight was the bruiser, bloody back and forth, um, Carlos Condit versus Robbie Lawler. Um, those were some of great fights and a great career ends with Carlos Condit this past week. Joseph Benavides, of course, being the first fighter ever to win at 125 pounds, um, in the UFC. And he tried several times to win that belt, but unfortunately, Mighty Mouse had other things for him. Uh, Joseph Benavides also tried to beat David Davidson Figueredo, uh, got knocked out. Um, it got overturned, got another chance. It got choked out the second time. Um, and unfortunately, Joseph Benavides joins the list of fighters who were the greatest fighters never to win a title. Any thoughts on these careers? Uh well, I'm gonna say it like this: Carlos Condit, uh, he definitely deserves a um, a place in the Hall of Fame under the fight wing because he has some absolute brutal fights, um, you know. And, and Joseph Benavides, hey man, you did it. when if you go in there and do everything you did you want to do. If you can go to sleep at night, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Okay, live your life. The way that you can go to sleep at night knowing you you're good that that with that being said um i think benavides was is is not sleeping well because if you ever watched a video it was like he kind of was being flippant about it but he wasn't and you know it was kind of heartbreaking to hear him say that he was retiring with Carlos Condit, I'm like, I believe, like, yes, he's good. He's done it all. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good, you know. But with Benavides, I don't think he was good, and that's the sad part of the story. Yeah, you don't think he was ready to retire? I, you know, no. um, the the joke, of course, that I was sending back and forth via text was, you know, Megan was like, Joe, it's time. Yeah, it's time. Like. It's- you know, I I, I, I I wonder how influential Megan Olivi was in in having Joe retired. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not I'm not making the point that um, that I, I, I hear myself sounding like I'm making. So let me clarify. It's just that she was ringside when Davidson Figueroa knocked him out 
cold. Yes. She was there at ringside. She was not there because she did not want to be there when he fought again and got choked out. And being in this sport and seeing what's happening at 125 pounds with Brandon Moreno coming with, you know, with all these other fighters, I, I think that you start looking at your husband and saying, I care about you long term. You have a role in this family to fulfill and I need you to stop. Joe, it's time. Yes, Joe, it's time to become Mr. O'Levy. Oof. That's all you have. To do. See, I wasn't going there, but you, you, you did it. You did it. You did it. The only thing I can respond to that is the only thing I can respond to is is this right here. What you just heard is solely the opinion of the speaker and does not reflect the opinions of anyone else on the Combat Sports Talk podcast or anyone affiliated with this program. <laughs> Got to play that. It, it, it wouldn't be John Keys on this show if I didn't have to play that at least once a week. Yeah, it's mm. lies. You know you wanted to say it. Okay, I just have to say it for y'all. But that's okay. I'll take the heat. Hey, it's okay. Become Mr. O'Levy. Chill out. You've done it, man. Okay? I get it. You you got that aggression in you. Like, man, I could be doing this. this, this. No, dog. No, no, man. You got, you got knocked out. Your wife was there when you got knocked out. And then you got choked out by the same dude. Let it go, man. Let it go. Be Mr. O'Levy. The, the, the one thing that I do have to say is... You know something is up when at Saturday's UFC Vegas 37, they had a whole video montage of Carlos Condit's career as they wished him well in his in, in, in his retirement. And after that plays, they're like, oh, yeah, and Joseph Benavides. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm so hoping... <laughs> That translates. Somebody pulled themselves out of the Asada, out of the Asada pool, and somebody did. Okay, that's yeah. all I'm saying. I, what what I'm hoping, what I'm hoping is that for UFC 266, which is coming up this weekend, that we get a Joseph Benavidez montage. Um, but it was conspicuous by its absence that Carlos Condit had a whole package. Joseph Benavidez got a good luck, sir, and that was it. And and it was it was pretty telling. So, so let's who, go ahead and uh, go ahead. Before you go, who wait? They they both announced on the same time Monday, right? <laughs> Monday or Tuesday. That's all I'm saying. So you can hold your breath all you want to, Ryan. All right, I'm just saying they both announced it on the same day, and there it is. On to the next part. Yeah, I did not see a package for for Joseph Benavides. That 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 sucks. But let's go ahead and, you know, when we're talking about uh, maybe we'll see a package at UFC 266. That's coming up this weekend. Let's do it. This is the fight card. This is the fight card. This is where we talk about the fights that are coming up on Saturday night. Um, this is Volkanovski versus Ortega, UFC 266, Saturday, September 25th at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. We've got five fights on the card. Jessica Andrade is back. The pile driver fighting Cynthia Calvillo. You've got Curtis Razorblades versus Yarzenho Rosenstruck. You've got Nick Diaz, the return of the big Billy Goat Gruff. Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler in what might be Robbie Lawler's last fight of his career. 
you've got the co-main event women's flyweight champion valentina shevchenko versus uh the lamb being led to slaughter and you've got ufc featherweight champion alexander volkanovsky versus brian ortega yes lauren murphy like come on bro like do we really feel like like, we're gonna make flash fight picks let's do the whole card but do we really feel like lauren murphy do we feel like she she she's got the juice like everybody has a chance like but we're talking about dumb and dumber chance like you know Nobody expected Holly Holmes to walk in and knock out Ronda Rousey. And we (laughs) saw it. And I'm just saying. Yes. Yes. But it's dumb and dumber. It's like, you know, I forgot what the actual quote is. But like, if. But you got a chance. But I have. Yeah. But you're saying there's a chance. Yes. There is a chance. Probability. uh, the, the, The possibility of Valentina Shevchenko losing to Lauren Murphy is is some number greater than zero the possibility of uh, of the probability of valentina shevchenko uh losing to uh losing to lauren murphy is like i mean how many zeros goes before the one so let's just uh, before i even acknowledge that we forgot to acknowledge one thing about the lionheart versus spam fight uh who was the who was the who's the ref for that? That was um that was uh Herb Dean, was it not? Herb Dean was the ref. Oh, I think was it was, yeah. Where was he when the, all the violence was going down when that when they had to fill in the the ring and everything? Did did, did was Herb like the fight gods have been appeased for this <laughs> for this or or cuz I need to know who's going to be the the, the the referee for that for the Shevchenko Murphy fight because I think it's it might be it might be Herb again and if it is once again somebody's being sacrificed to the fight gods okay and I, I, I you know wow we're not we're not, are we <laughs> see ladies and gentlemen what you're not seeing off screen is that uh, Ryan has built the the yeah now he puts Murphy in there but you know at first Ryan was not going to put. A fight pick for Shevchenko and Murphy. He just he just put Shevchenko there and just left it. Okay. I mean, so I, I, I I gotta put it, but that, you know, I'm, I'm making the list so that we can keep track of who made what pick. And 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 the thing is, it's like I, I challenge both of you. I challenge both of you to choose Lauren Murphy. Like, do it, do it. There, there's a chance she gonna win. There's a chance. Go ahead, George. I know we're on the uh the the fight card picks, but I need to go ahead and get off of here. Um, I've got a meeting I got to get into. All right. Uh, you want my, my picks real quick? Make your picks real quick. <laughs> All right. Um, first fight of the, of the night, which one was it? Jessica Andrade versus Cynthia Calvillo. I'm going with the pile driver. All right. Uh, the next Curtis one's Blades Curtis Blades versus Rosenstruck. Rosenstruck. I'm going to go with Rosenstruck, man. I think Curtis is, is having problems with strikers. Okay. Robbie Lawler, Robbie Lawler and uh, Nick Diaz. I'm going to go with Robbie Lawler. I, I feel like Nick's been out, out of uh, competition too long, and he's going to he's going to have a, a mountain to overcome. Uh, Valentin, Valentina versus Murphy. Uh, definitely going with Valentina. All right. And Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. I'm going to step outside the normal box here, and I'm going to call it. It's Brian Ortega's time. Ladies and gentlemen, he's improved his striking very much. I think I think it's going to be a great fight. I think it's going to be a lot of back and forth. 
But I think Brian, um, out of some of his recent fights, he's just leveled up to a level, uh, especially when it comes to just that, that pure grit of being able to stay in a fight when you're when you're getting your 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 butt handed to you. So I'm going with Brian Ortega, new UFC 145 pound champ. Got to go. All love right. you guys. All right, we'll see you. All right, we love you. Okay, so John Keys, you heard George Stallworth's picks. How about you make yours now? What you got? Well, you just go through all five ones. We'll start you at the top. Jessica Andrade versus Cynthia Calvillo. Ooh, hard. Uh, I'm going to go with Andrade as well. She's just a monster in the ring. Okay, let's just put it like that. Uh, I also agree with with, uh, uh, George with Rosenstruck. I think Curtis Blade does have a serious problem with strikers, and there's not a... Uh, there's not a better striker that he can face than that. Uh, Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler, I'm going to say the people win this fight, okay? Because yeah. it doesn't matter. The people win, okay? That's what I'm going with. I'm, no, 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 no. Matter. You got to pick one. Lost. Well, you know I'm going to pick the Diaz. I'm going to pick okay. Diaz because I'm like, hey, right. there's going to be violence. There's going to be brutality. There's going to be smack talk. We love it. Uh, Shevchenko versus Murphy. Uh, mom raised a crazy man, not a foolish one. We're gonna go with Shevchenko on this one, and of course, I'm gonna pick Brian Ortega. I mean, nothing against Volkanovski. You, if it was anybody else, I probably would pick Volkanovski, but because Brian Ortega, you know, he has proven that you know, he has said many times that when he goes into, into a fight, he's generally thinking on his feet. Okay, he doesn't really have a plan to fight fighters. This is the first time that he's actually going in with a plan to fight fire. I think this is where we see him extremely level up into into something different. So I I have Ortega to get this one, and he's a crazy fighter. So that means he's going to die in the ring, and 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 Herb Dean is waiting. So <laughs> we find out that Herb Dean is actually you know the the what's his name that crosses the river sticks. He's the uh, he's, he's, like, he's, uh, Carol, he's Chiron. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> like i'm waiting um so okay so i'm gonna go through mine now and um come on come on you know i i'm i i think for my first pick i'm gonna go with jessica andrage uh cynthia calvillo is great but jessica andrage is greater um former champion very physical jessica's got you know really manhandled by valentina shevchenko but that's probably the only person in 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 the ufc that's going to be able to treat jessica andrage like that everything else is going to be yeah. a close fight and i think cynthia calvillo is going to see that her number five rating is about where she needs to be ranked so yeah. um, you we'll ain't see number here two, you really in this case if you're not number two you don't need to be fighting number one right um in this curtis blades versus Lorenzo rosenstruck i i had this i have this love-hate relationship with curtis blades because i really do think he's a talented fighter i think his wrestling um is is a game changer at heavyweight um and so i i, I on the one hand as much as i i i i, I want to go with curtis blades i'm gonna go with curtis blades one more time like i i curtis blades if i will never pick you again you could be fighting my eight-year-old son and i'm gonna pick my eight-year-old son if you don't win this fight you have uh, outstanding you just- wrestling you have outstanding wrestling you've got great striking you've got all the tools you need to be great in the UFC at heavyweight, bro, put it together, get Rosenstruck out of there, get him on the ground. You can do this. But so, um, what you, okay, but I'm just saying you're, you're forgetting a couple of first thing. That's pretty cold-blooded that you wouldn't pick your own son. All right. Second, you know, 
look at the, the the people that Blades is losing to. Consider the source, man. He's not losing towards Joe Schmo. He's losing against the very best. Yeah, but I I, I question whether or not Rosenstruck is the very best. Um, and so I think that what we're going to see is that someone like Curtis Blades um, has an opportunity to either, you know, what they say, fish or cut bait, right? Like, dude, you got to be able to get these big dudes on the ground and work your magic. If you can't, then it's not going to get any better for you going up the ladder. This is basically Curtis Blades is in that same Cynthia Calvillo position where you're right in the middle. You're in striking distance of a title shot. But you got to be able to fight these dudes and you got to be able to take them to the ground and hold them there and beat them up. And, and frankly, this is really your, one of your last shots, uh, to, to show that you can do that. Um, Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. Uh, I'm going with Robbie Lawler. Uh, I, I like what George said, um, in that Nick Diaz hasn't been in the, in the, in the game for a while. And so he's going to be a little rusty. Um, but also Robbie Lawler, I think brings a, brings a you know a striking capability that i think is going to be a bit more aggressive the kickboxing and striking that he's going to have i think the ability to grapple a little bit he's going to keep himself out of the out of the chokes that that the jiu-jitsu that nick diaz is going to bring um i think robbie law is going to get it done i think that's going to be by decision um part of me wants to choose lauren murphy just because everyone is not choosing lauren murphy and you know on the off chance that she were to shock the world and beat valentina shevchenko i i'd be the only one be like i knew it i picked it <laughs> it's not gonna happen go ahead nostradamus um <laughs> but I, I really do think that this is this is a binary type of uh the nature takes its course there's only a few people that can even challenge valentina shevchenko and her name ain't Lauren Murphy. And you so, know what? This is what we're seeing with a lot of the division is that they're getting that bottleneck where you got this 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 apex animal sitting on top, and then there's everybody else. Right. And we're right. seeing it for the second time here. We got another apex animal and Shevchenko that's forcing the the whole division to evolve. And yes, until then, she's just sitting there. And, and and I want to respond to John to, to George's comments. Like we didn't think Holly Holm could beat Ronda Rousey. Right. Very true. And you go back to you go back to the the shows that we did leading up to the Ronda Rousey fight, and I was like, it's going to be almost impossible for Holly Holm to win this fight. Right. The 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 caveat, hindsight being twenty twenty, is that Ronda Rousey had suspect striking, and when Ronda Rousey got into the ring with Holly Holm. She tried to outstrike a striker, and she wasn't able to, after she'd taken so much damage, to get this fight to the ground. I would argue that if Ronda Rousey came in there from jump and was trying to grapple, trying to trying to get this fight on the ground and look for the armbar, she might still be champion today. Um, the, 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 the challenge that I have with Valentina Shevchenko is name the weakness that, that Valentina Shevchenko has. She Na- doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't have a weakness. So anywhere that Lauren Murphy wants to take this fight, Valentina Shevchenko, who showed that the only question we had was, can Valentina Shevchenko wrestle with Jessica Andrange? And, and who got ragdolled? Jessica Andrange. So, so I don't think Lauren Murphy is going to have the diverse skill set and the capabilities and the experience and the focus that Valentina Shevchenko has shown. 
if anyone's going to beat Valentina Shevchenko, her name's going to be Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah. I mean, she's literally like the Broly of, of, of the division right now, where, you know, it doesn't matter what you bring. Broly's there and he's bored. Yep. And so, and so that's where fighters end up losing is that they don't take an opponent seriously. They get too much into themselves and what they can do and all that kind of stuff. And that's when they lose. I don't, I don't see, that see that happening. I don't see that happening she's from like, Valentina Shevchenko. I, and she's literally like a GSP. She is a yeah. female version of GSP. She's got that discipline, that mindset, and good luck. She's gonna. She's when she leaves is when she loses. Okay. And and and, and yeah. And and let's re- remember, even GSP had a crack. So we'll see. It's possible. Um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get the uh, the quote from D- Dumb and Dumber and add it to. Added to my uh, drops so that it was a, so you're saying there's a chance, there's a chance. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna to to dismiss Lauren Murphy's ability to earn her shot at a title. She did that. She beat up a lot of women to do so. But at the end of the day, come on, bro. Like it's 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 not gonna be even close. Uh, and then in the main in the main event of the evening, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. I know a lot of people are hot on Brian Ortega, but let's remember. Brian Ortega got messed up by Alex, uh, by Max Holloway. Brian Ortega got beat up, got beat down, was silly, all swollen. He looked like Calvin Cater part 1.0, right? Like, you know, Calvin Cater, you know, Calvin Cater got the worst of it, but, you know, before Calvin Cater, there was Brian Ortega. Alexander Volkanovsky, on the other hand, fought Max Holloway to two great fights, very close fights. People still debate whether or not Max Holloway lost the second fight. I don't see Brian Ortega being able to strike with Alexander Volkanovsky. And if this fight, this fight's going to have to go to the ground for Ortega. And I just don't think that he's going to be able to get it there. So I'm going with Alexander Volkanovsky for the win. But hey, if Brian Ortega wins it, he'll have the, he'll have, he'll be the champion with the prettiest eyes and the prettiest hair. You know, he used to date Holly Berry, right? I, I did not, but you know. Yeah. He also had Holly Berry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's a connection with Valentina Shevchenko because. Uh, Holly Berry and uh, Valentin Shevchenko were in a movie together. Exactly. All right, so that's it. That's our show. Um, before we go, though, I want to say that we. I, I want to send a shout out to Feedspot. Uh, Feedspot is a podcast aggregator, and they posted their top fifty podcasts you must follow in twenty twenty one, and they named Combat Sports Talk this show the number twenty four podcast that you should follow in 2021 so we want to send a shout out to feedspot blog we are so proud and honored to be named and considered among some of the greatest podcasts in mma out there in the world naming us number 24 in the top 50 that is that is a big honor for us and i'm i'm so thankful to feedspot blog for considering us and i appreciate that too but i really want to send a shout out to everybody that watches us okay uh people around the world Ansh, okay he's in the he 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 posted up here you it is you too i want to i want to send a shout out to you because it's people like y'all that that come and watch our show that we do it for we do it for y'all okay ultimately i mean we may sit around and we may talk i mean i've I've told it to ryan many times that i'm just talking about what i love to a friend and he just happens to record it but in reality it's about y'all Okay, we want, we want, we want, not only do we want to send, you know, talk about what we love, what we're passionate about, but we also want to inform other people too. Okay, and we want to entertain as well. So 
you know, I want to send a shout out to y'all as well. Okay, that, thank you. Well and said. I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy. I'm satisfied. Every time I walk away from this podcast, I say every day I did exactly what I wanted to do on that podcast, even when I'm talking crazy. Okay? All right. Well. Amen. Well, hey, the fans make it happen. Thank you so much. What you can do for us is keep listening, keep watching, and keep interacting with us. Keep telling us what you want to hear about, asking the questions that you want to that that you want, because um, that's what we're here to do. We're here to we're, we're here to make a show that's entertaining for you guys, and 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 perhaps educate a little bit along the way. Follow us on social media on Instagram. I'm at Combat Sports Talk. I'm at Keys to Victory, and that's Keys with an E S. All right, and uh, George, it, we you missed him, but he is at Darkside underscore uh, Muay Thai underscore. Yes. Um, let's see here. Uh, you can find us on our website at www.combatsportstalk.com, and we are on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. I want to send a shout-out to MMA Junkie, MMA Fighting, MMA Mania, Bloody Elbow, the Intelligent Defense Discussion Group, ESPN. we got a lot of stories from ESPN uh, this week and all the other sites that are providing stories we use on this show. On behalf of John Keyes, my name is Ryan Smith, reminding you to keep your hands up, your chin tucked, and throw bombs. We'll catch you next time.